Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joan. On today's episode, we're talking Universal. Yes. This is still very much a Disney podcast, but you know, every now and then you got to scope out the competition. Absolutely. And also, I will say, Super Nintendo World is going to make me very much into a Universal person even more, because I do really love the mario and yeah. donkey kong franchise I, I was gonna do a sports metaphor here with the big game coming up this week <laughs> big game can't can't use the register trademarks here or anything uh with that coming up this week you know there's competition but then sometimes you got to respect the other team sometimes you got to be like hey you know what that other team played well they got some good players <laughs> on their team they know what they're doing same thing with universal when we were down at disney for the dopey challenge we spent a day at universal it's been a few years since we've been down there but we spent a day there and we're like Hey, they're doing some things right over here. Yeah. And and Disney could maybe learn a thing or two. And then you mentioned, you know, Super Nintendo World. You have Epic Universe coming uh, in Florida in a few years. And it's going to be, hey, Disney might need to, like, pay attention. So right. we thought we'd talk some things about right. how our trip was, uh, you know, some things Disney could potentially learn. Absolutely. And also, I mean, just I think Universal in general, they're, yeah, they're doing some good things. And they're definitely pulling our attention and interest, like, we're currently planning to go to Disneyland, and we're going to take a day to go to Universal Studios. We've got to see Super Nintendo. I, I mean, really you have see to see this. Super I mean, Nintendo. World. How amazing! I love. Is this I going love to Mario. Be. Love Super. Nintendo. I'm already trying to work on. Like I'm. I'm like in the preliminary stages of trying to think of what I want to do for a a Princess Peach, in air quotes Disney bound because it's not Disney bounding. But man, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. What What is it called? Universal bounding? Like, is, so, do they have a term? I've been kind of looking into that because I have a friend who's really into Disney bounding. And I, I, from what I've been able to see, they still kind of call it Disney bounding, it seems like. It's just like, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, Disney bound that's not a Disney bound or whatever. I mean, I don't Disney know. Disney bound that's not Disney I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that person can correct me, but yeah. I think we just dress up like Mario and Luigi. <laughs> but it's crazy. I mean, they have like Princess Peach there and stuff and, and she talks and everything. It's It's going to be incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. If I could figure out a Yoshi one, I would totally Yoshi'd do be that. Pretty good too. I love Yoshi. Before we get into Universal, I wanted to bring up what Disney is changing and that is a, like Splash Mountain and some more new information came out about what Tiana's Bayou Adventure is going to be. So essentially The backstory. Yeah, so basically like the came backstory. out the backstories. Yeah. So that that's kind of the one piece of Disney news here. We actually have some universal news that will kind of lead into some things about Universal. Um, but yeah, this is the one piece of Disney news that Disney released the backstory for Tiana. Not necessarily the ride. It's it's Tiana's Foods. It's this company co-op that they made up. That's going to be like the setting for the ride and the land. It's, it's all very odd. It is. It, it's just, it's an interesting concept because it's not a concept that it, I feel like it's a, it's akin to like living with the land as far as like excitability. Like there's, it's not an adventure story. It's more like, Hey, you know, there's this woman, she worked really hard. She got her restaurant and this is really kind of picking up the next chapter of Tiana's life after she gets Tiana's palace. Yeah. It's what does she do with that? Yeah. It's like, it's like the restaurant was such a success and it's a great idea. You know, again, she creates this, this co-op with this sort of support her community. Yeah. Like other local farmers and artisans and everything kind of come together. And it's also taking place during Mardi Gras. So there's, right. that's where this that's is That's the of, ride. Yeah. So we yeah. have to help. And get, there's a missing ingredient. Yeah. We have to help get the ingredient for the ride. But it talks about, yeah, like like you're sourcing ingredients and, and you're running this like farm. I mean, it's 
it's a good idea. I just I wonder how clear and easily they're going to be able to to do that in a ride. I mean, I think the idea of oh, uh, an ingredient's missing and maybe something goes awry trying to get that ingredient and then it ends in a Mardi Gras party. That makes sense. But like this whole other backstory, and it might not be that well known in the ride because. I mean, Imagineering does this. Like mm. every ride has such an incredibly detailed backstory and that you, you would you never know about it. it. Yeah. yeah. And so I think they can kind of play into that here. I think that there, but again, like there are other rides that that, that that story isn't really obvious. I'm sure that it'll be really awesome and beautiful. And because they're setting it during like Mardi Gras, I know that they said that she got art from local artisans. And so that will be decorating. And it's a salt mine. So she took a, she bought a salt mine with her money and then took that and the surrounding area to develop it into this food i don't know again i'm gonna use the word co-op yeah i'm not sure why they didn't just make it the movie and i think that's where a lot of people like may struggle with this where it's it's post the movie it's a original story that imagineering created again it's this business it's it's kind of you know maybe new characters not all the characters dr facilier is not going to be in it that sort of thing because Rimmel. Yeah, you know, yeah, Ray, because after the movie. And I think a lot of people are going to be like, well, the movie was so good. It had such good music, good mm-hmm. songs. Like, why not just do a Frozen Ever After of it? But then I think conversely, there's probably a lot of people that when they did Frozen Ever After were mm-hmm. like, why are you just retelling the movie? Yeah. It makes no sense. Why didn't you do an original story? And so I think Imagineering, no matter what they do, are kind of always in this, you know, catch 22 where. Yeah. They base it off a movie and people say, why don't you go original? They do an original story and people say, well, why don't you just use the movie? The movie was so good. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. I think, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I think it will be a really cool concept and they can always develop that and make something for it if they wanted to. So I, I think I like it. I just It's just different. Very different. Right. All right. So moving into some universal news. So this came out a few weeks ago. Uh, we didn't mention it then, but kind of want to mention it now because it kind of ties into... Uh, our whole show here about Universal Studios. Uh, Universal actually announced that they are opening additional theme parks and attractions outside of Florida and California. So this is the first between Disney and Universal uh, theme park outside of Florida or California that they've ever done. So they're going to be opening a new park in Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And they talked about it being a smaller park, more geared towards young children. So I imagine that's going to be a lot of like DreamWorks properties. Now they own DreamWorks Mm -hmm. and potentially some like Illumination properties. So they're going to build a a full theme park there with, I think, room for expansion. And then they're putting a permanent Halloween Horror Night installation uh, in Las Vegas at the Area 15 um, center that's Omega Mart if people have heard of that yeah, Meow Wolf. Wolf. yeah so they're expanding that and this is gonna be a permanent uh, Halloween Horror Nights I think it's gonna be big enough to potentially have like three or four houses in it um, and I know that's like their big thing I mean Universal is known for that Halloween after hours event so I think having like a, a permanent full-time attraction I think makes a lot of sense having that in Vegas I think it makes a lot of sense so I think it's interesting that you know, Universal, they're they're building another theme park in Orlando. They're now branching out across the country. This is something Disney's talked about numerous times. We've <laughs> talked about all the different, yeah. you know, potential theme parks on the show. The failed ones. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of contrast that with Disney where they have nothing new announced, no new rides. I mean, nothing. Uh, and it, it's really interesting to see how, like, Universal's kind of, you know, 
pedal to the metal here, uh, and Disney seems to kind of be taking a step back. Yeah, they're kind of in a holding pattern. I, I do think that, again, Universal doing all this, Disney might be sitting back and saying, we'll see how it goes, you know? Disney could potentially, you know, try to nab some land near there and, and kind of play off of Universal's success over in Texas. And, you know, I, I do think that both of them fit into each other because they are so close in Florida so and also in California. So, hey, maybe maybe we'll get another announcement for a Disney park. We'll see. I doubt it, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think, you know, Disney, again, I think they're focused on trying to... Stick with what they have. I mean, I I almost think having another park somewhere else in the country is almost going to be a distraction. I mean, I mean, we talked about this before. I I hope they don't announce a fifth park in Florida because I think that's just going to they're they're spread too thin as it is. I think having a fifth park, you have so much that you have to just upkeep and maintain on the existing rides and existing infrastructure. And Universal in Orlando, and even in California, they're not that big. I mean, they're, they're getting bigger. Epic Universe is going to make them bigger. It's going to put them closer to Disney. But they still don't have the number of rides and the hotel rooms and everything else that Disney has to deal with. So I think it's a little bit more manageable, manageable for them to put capital in different places where, yeah, if Disney spends billions of dollars on a new theme park, that's just going to hurt the other theme parks. I mean, they spent billions of dollars on Epcot, and we, we barely got anything. <laughs> <laughs> and this Epcot redo, you know, that was supposed to be a billion or $2 billion. So it's like, I don't want them spending money on another theme park. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. Again, Universal really seems to be trying to grow. I think it's also probably a smart play on their part because go where Disney's not. And then that way you're not competing with Disney. They're really going to be able to own that Texas market, that Las Vegas market. I think that will really help them. Uh, and then, yeah, whether Disney decides, hey, we need to go there too. But I think it's almost like, hey, Universal, it becomes their own domain. Well, I think that especially the the Las Vegas thing is very interesting to me because they have, again, you know, we mentioned Meow Wolf um, and Omega Mart, which is a whole thing. I mean, it has like a cult following. Check it out if you've never heard about it because it's very difficult to even explain. But it's a store that's not a store. It's kind of an experience. And so I'm sh- that's kind of an adult thing. And then they're putting, you know, their Halloween kind of thing with all of their their characters. I mean, they own, I think, I'm sure that um, they'll put, like, I think Frankenstein. Who, do, who all do they own? Well, they have know? the Universal Monsters. Right, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I'm sure they'll put that in there. And then while people are at Omega, they might be like, oh, okay, this is another adult theme thing that we might be able to yeah. enjoy. So they, they are still kind of capitalizing off of that, hey, there's somebody else here that, that is a draw, and but they um, they could kind of, you know, equally share in that. Yeah, it fits in well in Las Vegas mm-hmm. at that Area 15 complex. Like you said, it's something, it's it's more geared towards adults. I think it's also probably smart because you get a lot of conventions coming through there. And so I'm sure a lot of people would want to rent out that for team building or, you know, part of a convention, like some sort of after hours event. I mean, that, that's always something in Las Vegas. You're, you're dealing with a lot of conventions coming through. So that would be my nightmare. Like, hey, let's all go to this this horror thing. Uh, no thanks. Yeah, well, I, I think the other thing that's interesting, too, is, you know, at Halloween Horror Nights, they do something during the day that you can actually walk through all the houses during the day with the lights on without any scare actors because these houses are like super well done in terms of special effects, like Hollywood quality special effects. So they have tours so that you can just go see how they do it when it, where the lights are on. And so you're not getting scared. 
And I could see them doing that in Las Vegas too, because again, you have a lot of conventions. I'm sure you have special effects conventions and Hollywood horror and makeup and things like that. People would be interested to go during the day and not even get scared, but just go during the day and see Hollywood level productions, how this stuff is done. So I think I think that will be a big moneymaker for them. I think opening a park in Texas will too, because again, nobody's there in terms of theme parks so everybody could go there i am curious about the one in texas because they did come out and say this is geared very much towards young children and I'm i sure- think that means just like dreamworks i think it's gonna be but like dreamworks see, properties. i think that that's a bad idea because i i feel like you know when you think of disney you might say oh, well that's geared towards young children but like you don't want to almost ostracize part of your audience like i would go go to well, a park that was like you i know, think minions i think you look at it as trek oh, i think you look at it as almost like a starter park Start like what does Disney have on Universal? Disney has kids young with the princesses and and Mickey Mouse and all the animation. Kids know who Disney is very early on. Obviously, Universal has that somewhat with Minions and Illumination and some of the DreamWorks properties, but they're still not to the level Disney is. So, Mm. if you have a park now that's more geared towards young children, and so if you're a younger kid, you start going there instead of going to Disney World. Now you're hooked on Universal property. So now when you get older, where you want to go? You want to go to Epic Universe. Then you get a little bit older, where you want to go? You want to go to Halloween Horror Nights in Vegas. Like I think it's it's starting that pipeline early too of capturing capturing people when they're younger and getting them interested a, as an alternative to Disney. Yeah. All right, so let's let's kind of jump into our trip here. Uh, continuing the talk with Universal. So we did spend one day uh, at Universal Studios when we were down at Disney for the Dopey Challenge. I got to say one thing. We we wanted to go. We wanted to ride the Velocicoaster and Hagrid's. We did not get on Hagrid's motorbike adventure Mm -hmm. um, because the line was was long. Again, we were only there a day. We only had so much time. I got to say, we did get on Velocicoaster. I have to say, Velocicoaster... Is like the greatest roller coaster I've ever been on. I don't think Joe I've talked about screamed. it for like for like a complete full twenty minutes after and was hoarse the next day. Yeah, I I don't think I screamed that much ever on another roller coaster in my life. It was extremely smooth. Um, if you're somebody yeah. that even though it goes upside down. Mm-hmm extremely smooth it's it's very well done i was like flying out of my seat they tell you to hold on i did not hold on at one point we're upside down i was thinking like oh my gosh i felt like i was gonna fall out but i was screaming and it's there's unexpected moments in it too i don't want to like give the whole ride away but it's a launch coaster so it's like very fast a lot of adrenaline there's you know some unexpected moments where you hit some speed that you're not you know thinking you're gonna hit uh, and just overall, it's extremely well done. And I think that's the one thing Universal does really well is adrenaline high thrill rides. They have a lot of roller coasters, a lot of high thrill rides where Disney definitely shies away from that. I, I appreciated the queue as well. I mean, there are some really awesome animatronics in the in the queue that made it really interesting. Like I was kind of upset that we moved through that section of the queue very quickly. Um, it's always a good queue when you like, it's a good queue when you know you're upset that you're not stuck in a long line. Um, and then we also, uh, there's another part where the, the raptors run. Um, and that was really, really cool. Again, we moved through that section pretty quickly and, I wished I would had have gotten stuck by the windows because it was really, really interesting. But as a person who tends to like roller coasters don't, you know, feel that great anymore. I thought it was really pretty tame as far as that's concerned. I did not walk off feeling absolutely 
ill. I yeah, felt. it doesn't make you woozy. I yeah. mean, it's not tame in terms of right, rides. Right, right. It goes like but, 60 or 70 miles right, an hour. Right, but, but when I walked off, I, only, I was like, uh, but like I didn't feel bad. I just felt, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it extremely was, smooth. And that's, I mean, everybody I've heard that has ridden it has said it's great. I mean, it's, yeah, it it's, was a, it was and a good it ride. is, it, it definitely lives up. But, and I think that's kind of, again, talking about what can Disney learn from Universal. I think that's one thing is, don't be afraid to have these high thrill attractions. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get this with Guardians, Guardians. of the Galaxy, and now they're going to have Tron. Um, but definitely, Tron is not to the level of Velocicoaster. You know, Guardians is definitely much more high thrill, high adrenaline. Maybe a little bit too much based mm-hmm. on the number of people that are getting like nauseous and dizzy on it. But I think you know, Universal is definitely fit in there. I think Disney. I would like to see them do more of this. I almost think. Hollywood Studios is the place for them to have yeah. a roller coaster or higher thrill because now they have Toy Story Land, obviously, and that is more geared towards you know younger um, audiences. But I think by and large, Hollywood Studios is geared more towards older uh, audiences with Star Wars and Tower of Terror, and you already have some higher thrill attractions. So I think if Disney would do like a true roller coaster and Velocicoaster, it's not super themed. I mean, it's, it's a pretty standard roller coaster. There are, there's statues of Raptors, but there's no animatronics. There's, you know, you don't need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in, in theming. Um, I think, I think you, you roll in with that more. Now, obviously, you know, Hollywood studios does have a rock and roller coaster. So again, they have this kind of stuff. So I think that Disney could use more of this. I think Hollywood studios is a good fit. You bring up the queue as well, and I think this is another thing. Universal, basically every queue, I'm not sure of anything we rode that the queue was outside. It was either indoors completely, or if you are outside, it was undercover. Like Velocicoaster, the queue was either undercover or in a building. Uh, You know, Spider-Man, that's all in a building. Like uh, Harry Potter's all in Hogwarts. Like all of their queues are indoors where we've talked a lot about this, where especially like magic kingdom or something you're out, there's no shade in that park. The queues are outdoors a lot. You know, they're not really covered. And I, again, I think, you know, universal being that they kind of started later, I think maybe they probably learned from some of the things, you know, mistakes Disney made, but it is really nice having those queues indoors. Like you don't realize how big a difference that makes until you go to like Universal and you're like, oh yeah, this is nice being inside all the time. <laughs> I will say the day we went to Universal too, if it had been very, very, very hot, like it was co- it was not hot. It was actually chilly. So I wouldn't have noticed as much if we were standing outside. But I do think that you're you're correct that the majority of them were indoors and um sometimes I almost wish that they maybe were outdoors. But it kind of kept us I think a little warmer because it was a little breezy, I think. But yeah, it they definitely do a good job with that. And I also thought that the cues, again, a lot of them were pretty well themed, you know, so just an overall good job on waiting. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one thing I, I forgot about Universal, because again, it's been quite a few years since we've been there, but the scale of the parks and the yeah. lands, like obviously Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure in terms of acreage, I mean, isn't anything that big, especially compared to Disney parks. I mean, you know, Epcot's huge, Animal Kingdom's huge, and Animal Kingdom has scale and Epcot has scale with all the countries. But there's something with how Universal builds these lands and all of their facades are so tall 
and and this and it gives it so much scale and it really when you're in one of these lands especially the islands of adventure you can't really see any of the other areas of the parks because just the scale and the facades are so grand and it really helps it really helps you kind of feel like you're in that land even though again it's just a facade it's maybe not as detailed in every you know sense uh, of the word as some of the other lands like Pandora or even like Harry Potter, Diagon Alley, like they're not all that detailed. You, you still feel like you are in that world when you're there because of the way it surrounds you. So a few things about this. One, I think that part of this is created because their walkways are very uh, relatively narrow, especially by din- Disney standards. Disney tends to have much wider sidewalks, but then that creates... Um, you know, you have a wider perspective and you would need bigger buildings to kind of close you in. You feel closed in and universal because they have these narrow walkways and then pretty high facades. And then, you know, just kind of pointing out a few lands in universal that I particularly love. I mean, besides Hogwarts, because I think that's the obvious one to say, but where they have all the Dr. Seuss stuff. Seuss Landing. Yeah, Seuss Landing. It is really well themed. You have statues. You have a lot of things, titles that are going with the Dr. Seuss books. And that part, you know, made me kind of feel like I was stepping into my childhood. I was going to say, as somebody, I probably shouldn't admit this. No, you should Who never read Dr. Seuss as a kid. should not admit this. I'm kind of like, eh, it's okay. It's nice. No, I, I, I think if you like Dr. Seuss, it probably is a pretty incredible land. No, I know like green eggs and ham, one fish, two fish. I know those terms. So like at least I can understand it. I know who the cat in the hat is, but I never really read Dr. Seuss books. So it doesn't ring the same way as it this does This is for because you. your mom thought the Grinch was mean for stealing kids' presents. So he was never... mean. Yeah, but that's the point. She never, got, supposed to she never got to the part where his heart grew two or three sizes yeah. that day. Yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, that land in particular, you know, there's funny little nods. So like, I think there was like a Mulberry Street thing. And I was like, oh, and you're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a book. Yeah, Joe, I had it's, no idea. it's a book. I thought that was really clever. And my other favorite part, probably my more favorite part is where they have all of the comics. Um, the style on the buildings is kind of like an old timey comic book. And some of them are things that you don't see anymore. Like I, I think they have a Beetle Bailey, which I write, I used to read the Sunday morning, you know, color comics because my dad always did that. So, you know, those were characters that I am familiar with. And today I don't even know if Beetle Bailey's in in print anymore, but still that's really, really cool. And I love just like the, the comic book art that's on the facades of the buildings. It really kind of makes you feel like you stepped in onto the pages of like a newspaper or into a comic book. And so that was really cool. And then, you know, of course they, they have like, they, we, they have the green goblin walking around. Uh, that was an experience. Yeah, he uh, startled you. He yeah. saw you come and kind of like sh- shimmied, shook you, and he shimmied, and I jumped out of my skin. Yep. And then so, Doctor Doom laughed at you. Yeah, and then Doctor Doom laughed at that me. That was pretty good. It, I, I really, I, I wish that you had had your camera out, but I was yeah, just looking yeah, down. I, I think getting, I was like looking at my feet or something. Yeah, and that is a cool thing again because Universal is not as crowded, and obviously this isn't you know something. I know why Disney does this, but like Universal yeah. just has characters walking around. So w- when you're in the you know the superhero island, like you mentioned, like the Green Goblin was just walking through the street. Doctor Doom was just kind of walking around. Th- they they're out a little bit more, and obviously Disney can't do that because of the crowds were just swarm people, uh-huh. and it becomes much more difficult um, to do that. So you know that's 
it's something also, that's cool at Universal, but I understand why Disney villains. doesn't do it. They're also villains, so I feel like people. I mean, Disney villains people go up to, but I don't know. I, I they don't have that many characters to do it with. I mean, yeah, but you're right. Disney, like Disney couldn't couldn't really do that. But I do. I just think that this there is so much color. Like the other thing that kind of really draws me in is that, you know, think of like galaxy's edge. Think of, I mean, Pandora has some color, although like it gets kind of faded by the sun and like the Florida sun, but because like these are comic books, those colors pop. They don't really need to seem to be like touched up or anything. So you feel it, it, it adds, it adds an extra layer of like, you know, beauty, like that you want to be there because the, like the lands themselves are so colorful without really being like, they're not being forced to be colorful. They're supposed to be like Dr. Seuss is very colorful. He used kind of fun, like contrasting ca- colors and comic books as well. But it's just something that Disney doesn't quite, I don't think have that capability as much. I mean, they, they have things that are very colorful, like finding Nemo, but you don't, when you go into the seas with Nemo, it's not like you're, you're stepping into the, the animation there. So yeah, I mean, I think Universal does a good job, like we talked about, with these lands and and just the scale of them, because there there definitely is a risk, you know, when they built Hogsmeade and when especially when they built Diagon Alley, because Diagon Alley is in terms of detail and scale and everything is is much better than even Hogsmeade is, because you are completely enveloped uh, in Diagon Alley there. But there's definitely a risk when you have a land that detailed that then the other lands seem like a letdown and and it seems like oh these aren't detailed and so these are lesser and, and things like that and universal does a good job of combating that like you said with the comics and the color and dr seuss and even over at, at universal studios where um you have like the san francisco area and and new york and things like that like they they do a a great job of again, it's not to the detail of a Diagon Alley, but they don't make it seem like oh, we don't care about this land. You know, it, it's super lightly themed. Like it still makes it seem like it's really high quality um, as you're kind of going through everything. You know, one thing we did since we only had one day at uh, Universal, we, we did do both parks, is we bought an Express Pass. And this is essentially, for those of you who haven't been to Universal Studios, maybe not familiar, the Express Pass is Universal's. Uh, lightning lane essentially so it works where you have access to basically skip the standby line for a ride Um, but what's different is where in disney where they had fast passes or lightning lanes where you had to pick one ride at a time and you could only potentially maybe do so many in a day uh, with the express pass you can either buy it for one time for every ride or unlimited times in a day. So it's much more expensive. It varies depending on the day. I think it was somewhere around like $90 on the day we went, but I think it varies between like $80 and $120 a day. If you stay at the deluxe hotels there, I think you get it for free included. But we did it where you got uh, one ride per ride. So basically every ride other than uh, Hagrid's and Velocicoaster for sure. There may be some other ones, but I think because uh, we use it for uh, Forbidden Journey, so that's definitely on it. So I think it's just Velocicoaster uh, and Hagrid's at this point. You can skip the line anytime you want. So that's the other nice thing. It's not like you have to make it, I got to be there at 10 o'clock for this ride. It's just, hey, we walked up. Hey, you want to go ride Spider-Man? Sure. And you just walk in line, and then you know within five or 10 minutes, you're on the ride. So 
it's super nice to have that. And especially if you're only there for a day or two to be able to ride as much as you you could basically ride everything in a day. Now we didn't because, like you said, we were we were kind of tired and we had to get back early because we had a race the next day. Yeah. So we didn't ride everything, but we rode way more than we would have if we had to wait in the standby lines. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of reiterate what you said, because we were only there for a day. You know, you might say like ninety to one hundred twenty dollars is a lot to pay for that, and it is a lot. Um, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure you're the one that buys the tickets, how much the theme park ticket costs, but I'm sure it's somewhere around that. So you're basically paying double. Well, it's more than that. I mean, the theme park tickets are more than that. They're, they're pretty much in line with Disney tickets in terms of um, cost. Yeah, in terms of cost. So but I mean, you're almost paying double for your tickets there. So it might seem like, wow, that seems like extraneous spending, but we were probably able to fit and if, especially had we utilized them to their full potential, we could have fit two days worth of universal parking into one day because we were we were able to get so much in. And again, like I said, we didn't get onto like Gringotts. Like we missed cer- certain rides because we knew that the next day was the 10K, and we were just we were just beginning our journey of of running. Yeah, I mean, basically, you could ride everything in a day. I think if you had mm-hmm. the express pass, so we we went. We knew we had the express pass, so we knew we could basically get on anything we wanted at any time. So we went straight to Velocicoaster uh, first thing. And it was only like a 45-minute wait. It, it moved pretty quick, so that, mm-hmm. that was nice. The problem with Hagrid's was it was like two hours every time we looked. Um, yeah. And again, we just kind of ran out of time. So that'll be next time we go. We'll have to ride that. But you've got on Velocicoaster, and then, yeah, I mean, after that, you, you could essentially just ride everything. And after this time, I will definitely say that there will be a next time. We definitely will go back there again, though. I mean, obviously, because Nintendo World is going to be opening in a few years. But I'd love to check out Volcano Bay. And I would even like to stay at some of like one of their hotels for a day or so just to, well, that's to see the what thing. that's I, about. I think, yeah, if you go back again, the nice thing is if you stay at one of their deluxe hotels, you get the express pass for free, mm-hmm. which is a nice bonus. Plus, if you stay at their hotels, you get in the parks early. So you get in early. Plus, you could get a free Express Pass. You can get a lot of stuff done. Universal, like you mentioned, it is obviously expensive. You're almost paying you know, twice as much for a ticket for Express Pass. Obviously, you don't need to get Express Pass every single day. Like If you, did, if you went for a couple of days, yeah. get Express Pass one day. Again, you're going to be able to ride basically everything. Um, and then you could go your other days and, and ride you know, whatever else you want to ride again. Wait in line, but at least you know you kind of have everything covered. But I, I think this is kind of what... Disney should do. I mean, I know obviously the best case scenario is free fast passes mm-hmm. where you get where you get free fast passes for everybody. But the Express Pass is very similar to what they have at Disneyland Paris with their Max Pass, yeah. where you can pay and it's kind of priced very similarly to, you know, around ninety, a hundred dollars, and you get a lightning lane for every ride that has lightning lane available and you just go on whenever you want. And I think that's something that I like, like the lightning lane and genie plus, and we've not used it yet. And I think we've not used it yet for this reason, because it, it, it seems very difficult, you know I mean? To, to do. And, and you don't know, are you going to get two attractions this day? Are you going to get three? Because, Hey, maybe it I get seems on rather unpredictable. Yeah. I, if I get on in the morning, maybe I can get this ride at 10 o'clock, you know, and then a couple hours later, maybe the next one's not available until five. And, and then it's like, okay, well now I have to be here at 10 
and then I have to come back at five mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's difficult. And, and Walt Disney world is very spread out where it's like, we were just kind of walking around universal and we go, Oh, you want to go ride that? Okay. Let's just go get in line. And the same thing at Disneyland Paris, we just, we walked around the parks and you know, if something was a short line, we just got in line. And then if it was a longer line, we would use the max pass and you can ride everything once. And again, I know it's not great to have Disney charge you for stuff, but I almost feel like if they offered something like this and maybe they don't do every ride, but if they had, Hey, you could get these five rides or, you know, everything in the magic kingdom today, that's on a lightning lane for $50 or something like that, or $60. Like I almost feel like that's a better model and at least it's more consistent and people know I'm going to get on all these rides and I can go do it whenever I want. So if, you know, something happens and I, I, you know, going to leave the park because I have uh, lunch at Epcot. It's not going to interfere. I'm not going to have to worry about, oh, my lightning lanes at two. How am I going to get back in time? Yeah, I, I think it's just a lot more user friendly that way. I don't even think that they have to get rid of Genie Plus for people who maybe want an individual ride. But I do think that they can almost sell like ride packs like you're saying like oh okay do you want you know the classics and then you have peter pan you have small world you have pirates of the caribbean and haunted mansion and maybe um jungle cruise and those five rides are all part of the you know the classic pack and you pay 50 bucks and you can get on them i I mean and i but whatever, because I do think that they need to, and I think there's a ton of theme park people out there kind of screaming this, make this easier because we are in the know, but not everybody who goes to Disney is in the know. And so you're setting yourself up to have tons of people going that are very disappointed because they don't know how this stuff works. And then they get there and they learn it, but it's too late. Well, yeah. And and I think it goes to even us, like, again, I don't want to have to be bothered mm-hmm. sometimes with, okay, I have to be here at a certain time. You know, I, like I, it's nice to have that flexibility. Yes. And obviously even with fast passes, you kind of had to have that, but at least you knew that months in advance. Like I knew before I went when we had fast passes, yeah. okay, you know, I could get all my fast passes in, in the morning and I know I got them in the morning and I'm good. And then I can work in my lunches around that, whatever. But like with Genie Plus and Lightning Link, you don't know until that day. So if you booked a lunch at one and then you want to get a ride for your lightning lane. It's only available at one. You can't get it. And, and it makes it hard. And, and yeah, if you go to Universal, it is, it's very easy. You kind of just go and you just walk around and do whatever you want, especially if you have the Express Pass. Yeah. And they should, I mean, if Disney could say, well, we're bigger, so we can't do that. But so sell, you know, a hundred of these a day. It's not going to be that much. I mean, again, it's going to be one of those things, but they do that all the time where it's like, you have to be on at seven o'clock in the morning. And if you're not on and on top of it, you don't get it. Well then do it, do this, like, you know, um, like the express pass like that, where it's yeah, just, and you, again, you they, have to be on. They do it in Disneyland Paris and maybe it doesn't make sense in Walt Disney world, but I'm surprised they haven't tried something like this in Disneyland. Cause Disneyland yeah. had the max pass, which was nice because you paid for it and then you had to get fast passes but again, you could kind of, it was easier to get them throughout the day. Like you just kind of got them day of, which, which made it a little bit easier. So I liked the flexibility that Express Pass offered. I definitely would not get it every day of my trip, but mm-hmm. I think it's, it's worth it one day because you're going to get so much in that day. It's going to be worth it. Absolutely. I will now kind of just to switch gears over for one second into some of the things that, you know, I didn't love. And Disney is copying this for at least, um, I think it's Tron, right? But, there is a 
overuse of lockers over in Universal. And I brought my lounge fly and I was like, oh, okay. And it it was like, it's like the new hundredth anniversary one too. And I like bought, I brought it along thinking like, oh, this is going to be, you know, really convenient to have my stuff. It was so inconvenient. And even you had like a little uh, fanny pack and they wouldn't even let you go on the rides with that. And it was just frustrating because they were like, some of the lockers were out of the way. They weren't on your way out of the ride. They did like a lounge fly bag really barely fit. I mean, it fit. Well, I think but- that's the thing. This is de- definitely universal has a very strict policy they do not let anything on the rides Mm-mm. they make you walk through metal detectors as well especially on the roller coasters and i get why they do that because yeah. you do not want a camera something flying at high speed hitting you, you in the yeah, face yeah they've, they've had issues with that so i i understand why they do that uh on some of the things yeah of like mummy's revenge like <laughs> yeah why can't you hold a bag i mean uh, on your feet but i think the bigger issue is yeah the lockers are so small yeah you can't fit anything in them if you want a bigger locker, they make you pay for it. So mm-hmm. you're right. Disney is having lockers with Tron because, uh, again, on Tron, it's a roller coaster. There is no way to hold your bag because yeah. of the seating. It's basically like a flight of passage seat. And so you don't have bags on flight of passage either. You put them behind but, you. Yeah, but you put them behind you but, and they're very easy to grab on your but way But Disney's out. lockers look big. I mean, they look like they can fit lounge fly bags in there. So at least they're doing that because, yeah, it's like at Universal, you really have to like – scrunch your stuff up to get it in that locker the velocicoaster didn't bother me because that was like i think right in the queue yeah they had that one in the, that they was, integrated that yeah in that there. one was was not bad and if that's the way that disney's doing it with tron that doesn't make i don't mind that as much but there were some of them where i'm like i guarantee there's so many people that they walk out and they leave and then hours later they realize oh no i forgot my bag over there because it's just so out of the way and inconvenient and then again you kind of have to like shove if you have a bigger bag and again lounge flies aren't that big um it was i had to like really finagle to get my bag in there and it was stressing me out because i'm like this thing is is nice and if i scratch it i'm gonna be so angry and again i i mean now that i know that i would take a smaller bag or a bag that folds up more but I just think it just added a an, a layer of frustration and stress for me that did not need to exist. Yeah, and it was tough because it's like almost every ride. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, I mean, it's really the roller coaster rides, but I mean, yeah, Forbidden Journey has it, Revenge mm-hmm. of the Mommy. I mean, all like uh, most of the rides there, you're kind of doing this. We did get to ride Fast and the Furious Supercharged, oh which gosh. we used our Express Pass for, even though the wait was only <laughs> ten minutes. Because I was well, like, we weren't riding that one again. Because I was like. <laughs> I got the Express Pass. I'm going to use it. But I had to ride it. Um, it is as bad as, everyone as says. everybody says it is. Um, I honestly cannot believe Universal uh, tore out the, I think it was called Earthquake or something, but it was basically where you went in like the oh, tunnel. And it was like, you're, I, it was like okay. you're on a movie set. Uh, and then you were like in that in that subway and then like that's the earthquake what ride that was yeah that's oh what my gosh was. that was so much better than yeah. fast and they, furious they took that out to do fast and the furious the, oh my gosh the, i'm gonna call them cast members the employees at, at universal in the queue which is something that universal does a lot where they have pre-shows that have actual people in it which i really it. i actually really like yeah i liked it um, I don't They're basically know, like actors. Yeah, I don't know if that was part of the gimmick of the ride or those people uh, hated working there because 
they were just so monotone and like making fun of the videos that were playing because you know you have some of the characters from the Fast and the Furious interacting live with them and so you know they're like cracking jokes like why am I even here you're just talking without me nobody's paying attention to me and I'm like is this part of it are they are we like making fun no. of it or we're all in on this or it's like they <laughs> no. just know this ride's this bad we need to make people laugh and, and so people know like don't take this ride too seriously it's no. not that good of a ride that person was so funny they were just like well, they both, cracking they these... both were because there was two there was like two pre-shows and they both were yeah but the one especially like had their feet up on the on the like the desk and was just making all of these jokes. But I do think it had to have been part of the show. It was oh, just I so. Think it was too. I, but it but was I wonder so good, if though. that's how it started, or again, like Universal heard the feedback and were like, "Okay, we know you guys ride are riding this like a hate riding this thing to make fun of it. So we're gonna really lean into it <laughs> and really just kind of go like over the top." Um, with the acting here but yeah like it's so short the ride makes no sense Vin Diesel's as big as a helicopter it's crazy he is he is literally hanging from a helicopter that he is as big as if not bigger than yeah I think he pulled it down that's how strong Vin Diesel is (laughs) and it's just it's crazy you don't know where to look the only thing and I think that so I think that the story behind this ride because I got off and I was just like what was that and then you kind of explained so for anybody who doesn't know because you're you know in the the Disney echo chamber like kind of I am this ride is is it was adapted from the Hollywood version, but it's supposed to be, it's 3D, right? Yeah, it's 3D in Hollywood, so it's part of the tram tour in Hollywood. In the same way uh, Skull Island Reign of Kong at Universal Studios Florida is basically they took a portion of the tram ride and made a whole ride. But at least in that one, they... They did a some, nice job. They added some new scenes. <laughs> they added an animatronic. Like, There's a new scene in, in the... <laughs> well, yeah. But but like they added newer scenes, they added an animatronic. Like, yeah, they, they plussed it a bit. They took the Fast and the Furious portion of the tram ride. That's basically this whole ride. Yeah, they, they put a scene in the beginning that makes no sense. The rocks in it basically winking at you like... It is winking at the and camera. And it's gross. Like it's gross humor. Like yeah, not it's, good. It's yeah. like all these women and like scantily clad. And I'm like, come on, dude. Can't we get like not do this? But mo- but then so that's it. And then and then the tram part. But in Hollywood, it's 3D. Yes. Yeah, so- and so the proportions are so off because I think if it was 3D, it would make sense. <laughs> but they didn't make it 3D in Florida, <laughs> and they didn't change the video in any way. They didn't like make a new one to make it fit. They just said we'll show the exact same thing. We just want to make it 3D. It's basically the exact definition of phoning it in. They were just like, eh, you know. It's insane. I will say, with all that being said, I totally ride it again. It was like, it was so funny and so just odd and terrible in such a good way you're not gonna that i would ride it again. you're not gonna wait in a line for it that's for sure oh there's yeah there's never a line there's but, if there's more than a 15 minute wait don't wait because you'll be disappointed but i don't think there really ever is a long wait for it but, it's hilarious but though. the only part of the ride that i thought was very well done is the drivers at the front of the little tram vehicles i was barely we were both debating like i was debating in my head and then you asked me if it was a real person like they kind of look like they're real people but they're not yeah, so they're, they're like trackless ride cars. Again, it's it's basically the same car that you're in for Kong. Uh, you're in for the Fast and Furious. But yeah, I just, it's hysterical. I I loved it. I mean, it I, was it was terrible. I loved it. The one thing I- Do I, not ride, would not ride the again. One thing, <laughs> the one thing I absolutely loved, and I'm, I'm really excited we got to do this, was the Jason Bourne Stuntacular. This is a stage show that 
integrates basically like they they made their own volume so if if you've watched the making of the mandalorian or the star wars series and they talk about the volume that they created so it's basically uh you know the volume is is almost a 360 degree dome that they can project scenes on so when they film the mandalorian they can you know make this desert planet that they can film on so that the light reflects properly and it's not green screen so they basically kind of did that with like a half uh screen kind of a half volume so it's maybe 180 degrees uh and they do this stunt show and it's amazingly done because they have uh, physical props and actors and the stage moves and then the screen behind it, they can make the visuals move and it works with it. Uh, and it's just, it's amazingly well done. And I absolutely loved it. I would definitely highly recommend it uh, for anybody seeing it. Even if you don't like, like Jason Bourne, I mean, you don't have to know Jason Bourne. Uh, it's a great stunt show, but overall it's just, it's really well done with the screen and the visuals. Uh, and it kind of goes to, again, where we talk about like Disney, more stage shows, things like that. Like if, if one day they would like update basically Indiana Jones, which is cause that's kind of a similar thing, like making a movies, stunts, stuff like that. Like do something like this, like show how they film stuff in the volume and things like that. Cause it's, it's incredible to see. Okay. So that's your take on it. I literally, as you were describing this, I was like, was I there? I don't remember this. I remember you, you making... You fell asleep. That's why. You, did... were, you were there, but you slept through it. Did I really sleep? Yeah, you fell asleep. That's why you don't remember being there. Okay, because, yeah, the, the poor the poor sleep I had the two nights prior. Yeah, I, I remember you saying, oh my goodness, they basically have like the volume. I remember no part of this Yeah, I was like, I want you. I was like, Angela, look at this. Like Because at one point, the guy's climbing a building and the physical building oh, is extending as he's going up. And then the, the screen behind it is projecting an image to make it look like he's going up. I mean, they, they warn you that you could potentially get like motion sickness in this thing because, or, you know, because it could give you kind of like vertigo because, you know, the screen's moving, the stage is moving, stuff's spinning, and you really do feel like you're moving with them. It, it's phenomenal. So maybe get a, get some sleep before you go to this yeah, show it's great. because I guess it was wonderful. It but was absolutely wonderful. I, I, I remember, you know, I remember, I think I was trying to fight to stay awake, just like as hard as Jason Bourne was fighting. I was fighting that hard <laughs> yeah. to stay awake, to try to see what you were raving about. Cause you're like, Oh, look at this. It's so good. But yeah, I, I would love for Disney to get again, something like this Hollywood studios go, go back to, what it used to be about making movies and making film and, and show me beh yeah. behind the scenes and show me all the cool technology they're using now for movies. Cause it is amazing and it's fascinating to see. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, yeah, Hollywood studios is a bit aimless right now and they need to kind of bring it back to more of making of movies. They don't need M the MGM name to do that. I feel like it was, they At its prime when it they had MGM studios. They own studios. enough movie studios. They yeah, they don't need a call. They don't need MGM anymore. Exactly. They, they had enough. So, uh, but yeah. So I think that kind of wraps it up. Uh, again, I think we had a great time. Really impressed with a lot of the stuff Universal is doing. I think you know, especially once Epic Universe comes out, Disney is going to have a major uh, player to contend with. I think if Disney does not announce a lot of new stuff at uh -huh. the Destination D23 this year in Orlando for, yeah. 
new rides or new lands or something coming to Walt Disney World, I think they're going to kind of be caught flat-footed, kind of like they were whenever uh, Harry Potter and Hogsmeade opened. Um, so hopefully they have some stuff up their sleeves. But yeah, Universal's doing a lot of stuff right. Yeah, you got to think, you know, Universal doesn't have a ton of properties where people grew up with them. and But then bringing in all of the Nintendo properties there are generations of pe- generations and generations of people that have grown up with the Mario franchise, Donkey Kong franchise. Uh, I believe Zelda might even be part of it. I might be making that up. I think that's a future. That's kind of rumored for a future expansion. So yeah, if you if you get Pokemon, all, I mean they might be able to get yeah, Pokemon. Pokemon like it's, it's all of those are just so they've been going since we've been. Or I mean, like they're they're probably some of those franchises are. are 30 i mean they're over 30 years because old because that's we're over 30 years old but yeah so those are things that people grow up with and and really develop like a a strong fandom and love for so i mean if they start to capitalize more on stuff like that i think disney's going to be like you said caught flat-footed because you're going to get a lot of again several generations of people saying oh my gosh i have to go to this because this is my childhood yeah i think the one thing uh, the one difference is you know, Universal still relies heavily on properties they don't own. So Harry mm-hmm. Potter, Nintendo, even Marvel. I mean, they have a whole Marvel land there and they don't own Marvel. So they do really well with IP that's not their own. But that is, I think, the one risk they have where it is IP that's not their own. Where Disney, they own so much IP, they should be able to create just as great a lands, if not better, than what Universal is doing. And again, they, they don't seem to have anything in the pipeline. So hopefully we get some stuff announced just so that they're kind of keeping up. Because I think if not, I think Epic Universe is going to open and then we'll get a lot of stuff announced because Disney's going to have to have an answer to this eventually. Absolutely. All right, but that wraps up the show for this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.